season two of the Black Twist Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Coronado, and today we are joined by Charlie Vargas. He is an attorney, a writer, a public speaker, and honestly, there's a whole lot more that we'll be learning from Charlie in this interview. He earned his bachelor's degree at the State University of Buffalo in New York, where he was very involved with campus life and academics. He co-founded the Buffalo chapter of the prestigious pre-law organization known as Phi Alpha Delta Law Fraternity Incorporated, and is also an active member to this day of La Unidad Latina, Lambda Upsilon Lambda Fraternity Incorporated, where he continues to still give back to his brotherhood in any way he sees fit. Charlie has since then opened up his own practice, allowing him to give individualized attention to each client. Charlie is also a native Spanish speaker of Dominican descent and is effective in representing Spanish-only speaking clients, unlike Aaron Schlossberg. He's trash. Anyhow, in this interview, you're going to notice that it is focused a lot on determination, even when culture and color can be a quote-unquote setback or a hurdle we have to get through. It's also focused a lot on self-care from the men's perspective. You're going to hear both of us talk about self-care and honestly, mental health. And um, deconstructing machismo, which is the patriarchal way of thinking, um, which is the patriarchal way of thinking that many Latinx households continue to pass down through the generations. So stay tuned to this interview. Let me know what you guys think about this. Um, For further interviews, we will be having an anonymous questions line where you can ask our guests whatever question you might have. So if you are intrigued and like the way that these interviews are going, let me know through Instagram. Stay tuned for this interview. Here we go. What's up, everybody? This is... Daniel Coronado. This is the Plot Twist Podcast, where we talk about, you know, what's going on within our POC community as uh, millennials and, you know, everything in between. I have the, the great opportunity of speaking here with Charlie Vargas, but tell us a little bit more about yourself, Charlie. What's going on? Who, who's Charlie Vargas? Sure. Well, you know, that's a, so I'll try to answer that, that broad question. Um, so Charlie Vargas, uh, born and raised in, in Manhattan. New York City, uh, son of uh, uh, Dominican immigrants, uh, was fortunate to go to the University of Buffalo. Um, so I left six or seven hours away to, to pursue a college education and uh, came back. Um, three years uh, after my graduation, I decided to go to law school. Um, went to law school, uh, specialized in criminal defense, uh, took defender clinics, and then um, I was. I was given an opportunity to come aboard on, you know, come aboard in a defense firm where I was able to uh, pretty much try uh, different types of criminal cases, uh, you know, drug assault cases. Um, and then um, after I got a certain amount of experience um, and, and with the mentorship that, that I had uh, received, I decided to go out on my own and open up my own law practice. So that's what I'm doing now. Um, I'm also uh, looking forward to teaching um, at Rutgers um, undergrad. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Congratulations on, you know, doing that along with your full-time hustle. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, I'm going to be in the Department of Criminal Justice teaching race and crime um, in the fall, Uh, possibly another course. Um, I still haven't decided yet. Um, as you know, uh, you know, teaching is a lot of work, and I'm not uh, leaving the law practice just yet. So I'm, I'm trying to see how that balances out. But um, yeah, I'm excited um, out here in New York City. A lot is going on, um, you know, and and I'm, I'm just trying to like in New York City, you, you just have to find a way to navigate um, uh, a way to you know just keep yourself grounded because you can just it's so easy to jump from task to task and, and feel like a robot. So, so right. you always have to ask, you know, about your intentions and, you know, going forward. So um, that's it. That, you know, that's, you know, I'm sure there's more, but, you know, I'll, I'll let you ask the questions. Yeah, no, no doubt. So, I mean, born and raised in New York City of Dominican parents, what was it like growing up um, in New York City 
as a teenager? Sure. Um, growing up in New York City, I grew up during the 1980s, uh, which was a, a pretty um, romantically tragic time. Uh, and I say romantic uh, because uh, the hustle was, you know, was, was romanticized. It was glorified. It, you know, everyone was hustling. Um, this was during uh, the crack era where uh, the streets were drug infested. Um, uh, you know, you saw people with, you know, driving fancy cars and um, not really understanding the dynamic behind it all, the activity that caused or resulted into that. Uh, but, but as a kid, you know, especially as, as a highly impressive kid during that time, um, you got to see that. Um, and, and, then, and then you also had music, hip hop, um, that also um, kind of, you know, kind of influenced many of the youth during that time. So it was, a, it was an interesting time. Um, I'm glad that the streets have gotten safer. Um, um, I, you know, I'm not too proud about um, the lack of POCs, people of color, that have actually uh, stayed within the neighborhood or have taken control or have built, or the number of POCs that have built businesses within their neighborhood. Um, I must say there, there are some folks that have uh, you know, stayed in the neighborhood and have created their own businesses, but I would have liked to see a lot more. Um, you know, the neighborhoods have changed and a lot of people have been displaced. New York City is a very expensive place to live at right now. Um, so, um, so, you know, so that's, you know, it, it's different from how it was when I was growing up. But, you know, but, but I like my childhood. You know, it was, you know, with its, um, you know, problems, with its crimes. Um, I think I think we were forced, we were, uh, forced to learn uh, so much about life at an early age. Yeah, I mean, the hustle never stops out there. I mean, it's literally the city that doesn't sleep. I was out there in October, and I really did feel that way. And um, another question, if you could go back in time, like to your teenage years, would you go back and would you do anything differently? If I was to go back to my teenage years, um, I would have, knowing what I know now, yeah, knowing what I know now, I, I probably would have read a lot more. I would have uh, drowned myself in literature. Um, I felt that I was really, I had a huge imagination. Um, I didn't know exactly where to divert that energy. Um, so I think if I, if I would go back, I would, I would probably start writing a lot more, reading a lot more, um, accepting um, silence as not a bad thing. And, but but as a as a thing that I, I probably needed to reset, um, and um, you know um, that's about it. you know that's that's pretty much you know that's that's pretty much it. You know I I would love to say that I would have liked to be very confident in what I wanted to do at the time, but you know I'm I'm pretty okay with me just uh, using that that youth to try to figure it out. Right. Um, so, you know, I got to give a huge shout out to Heidel, your fraternity brother for, you know, putting this all together because this was all this was all him. You know, um, the fact of the matter is Heidel hit me up and he was able to put this all together. So shout out to him. Um, but speaking about fraternity, how was college for you? I mean, you are in a fraternity, you know, let's give your fraternity a shout out. Let's put some respect on that name. What's good with that? And to the brothers out there. So, you know, I, I had arrived at college um, with seven to eight other guys that had graduated from the same high school that I went to. So right. you know, shout out to Cardinal High School, all boys high school in the, in the Bronx. Um, you know, we went out there and, you know, we thought we wanted to have fun that, that, that first year. Uh, but, you know, when we got there, we, we met so many inspiring brothers, you know, some in the fraternity, some, you know, others that weren't in the fraternity or maybe in other fraternities. And um, our world just opened up. So, uh, you know, it, it, it took a while, but um, college then became this great place of exchanging ideas. Um, and, and we started to deconstruct and reconstruct ourselves uh, through, through conversations with older, older men and women, um, older, older students 
who uh, at that point were more into their majors than, than we were. Mm. Um, so college, college was a great learning experience. And so not only academically, but personally, um, you, know, just, you know, a lot of us, you know, especially Latinos, you know, we tend to be, you know, our mothers are, you know, our, our world, you know, they do everything for us. No, for Unfortunately, a, you know, that's a good thing, but that's also, uh, you know, that's a hindrance. So, um, you know, talk to us. Learning what is that how to, how to yeah, well, you know, th that hindrance is, you know, the fact that I, and again, it's, you know, some of it could have been my mother's fault. A lot of it had to do with me. A lot of it was my fault, but, you know, um, just learning how to cook at college, you know, like not knowing how to do that on your own or, or you <laughs> yeah, know, you know, um, certain things like that where, where you, you know, where you were used to your mother doing that, you know, right. and there was I, a lot of times where I was like, I mean, I dabbled or whatever. Like I, I just wasn't used to cooking like that because one, yeah, the mother always, you know, provides all that and she, you know, moms are awesome for that. But, um, the fact of the matter is when push comes to shove, what am I going to make? You know, I had a lot of times where I was just eating freaking sausages and top ramen and peanut butter jelly sandwiches until I started to learn how to do things for myself. And, uh, even like even laundry, like I did that in high school, but at the same time, it's not the same, you know, like the little things that you really come to appreciate of, um, of your parents, um, especially being Latino. Right. So I totally feel you on that. But, um, but yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so my mother used to send me boxes of food, you know, you know, I'm Dominican. So she used to send me the sachichon, dueca, platanos. So what I would do. <laughs> right. You know, to make your tres golpes, right? Exactly. To make my, you know, the infamous tres golpes. Um, and, um, and I would have other people, you know, cook for it. I mean, cook, you know, whatever she sent me and, and that would be like my little contract. Like, okay, like, I, you know, I provide the food, you guys cook. Um, so I, like, I was still able to maneuver um, myself, you know, without knowing how to cook at that time. But, um, but yeah, so college was, was more about learning um, and, you know, paying rent, you know, because eventually I, I, um, I, I lived off campus. Um, mm. Also, you know, after pledging a fraternity, you know, um, you know, the process for those that have never pledged before can be very humbling. Um, there's also social probation or mandatory library hours that, that usually accompany the, you know, the experience of pledging. So right. uh, you know, all of that discipline, I think, I think was a part of my college experience. And, and then once you become a fraternity brother, it's like you're not just representing yourself, you're representing an organization. So um, there's a different approach to how you talk to people, um, how you, uh, you know, now, now you're um, attending uh, meetings um, where, where you're championing certain causes that usually the, the chapter of the fraternity, um, you know, in, in all agreements wants to, 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 to champion. So, um, you know, you become more of a brand um, for whatever cause that, you know, you guys were in a ride with at that time. Right. So um, it was, it was interesting. It was interesting. And, and I can, you know, I, it was a valuable experience and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I, you know, I would encourage Unless you have a talent, unless unless I feel that unless you have a super talent, whether it's singing, whether it's like, you know, you know that you want to act and look, college may not be for everyone. But um, if you're still trying to figure it out, I, you know, why not figuring it out? You know, why not figure it out in college? I think college is a great learning experience. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And I think not only that, but pledging and being part of a great organization is so dope because I mean, I can't really speak for, for, for other organizations or for like the traditionally white organizations, but the dope thing about it that I love is the fact that, you know, for, for you, you're going back and you're still giving back to your organization. You, you know, when you join a culturally based organization, you are giving back forever if that's what you want to do. You don't say I was in this, I was a part of that. You are still part of it. And it's so important to remember that because just as you keep that close to yourself, you keep your culture close to yourself because you are always surrounded by people that are still like-minded like you. Exactly. Yes. And, and it's a beautiful thing because even if, um, you know, even if 
you aren't like-minded when you are first introduced to them, the fact that they look like you or, or, or they come from your similar experience um, makes you want to step your game up and say, you know what, maybe I can think like that person. For example, you know, um, it was through, through the fraternity that I first met, uh, you know, a Latino attorney. And, right. um, yeah, and, yeah. And, and even though I wasn't taking pre-law courses, I, you know, I saw in him it was possible for me to do it. Um, so, so yeah, you know, it's just, you know, and, and just culturally speaking, or even, uh, you know, persons of color that attend college, um, you know, there's studies out there that says that, you know, um, joining an organization, not necessarily fraternity or sorority, but joining organizations in college actually increases the chances of that person graduating. So, um, you know, I, I think fraternities specifically for, um, Institutions such as Buffalo University, which at the time I think it was an undergraduate class of 24,000 students. Um, you know, I may be wrong, somewhat wrong on the numbers, but approximately, you know, I think that's what the numbers were. Um, you know, and people of color, I'm sure, didn't make up a good, you know, good percentage of that. You know, um, you know, we were probably maybe in the teens or so, uh, maybe less. Um, you know, so for for most of us that. Uh, didn't come from um, an all-white community, you know, that can be somewhat intimidating because right. all of a sudden you go from, you know, whatever school you were going to in, you know, whether it was Washington Heights or Harlem, all of a sudden you're in Buffalo University and, and you look around and most of the folks don't look like you. Um, so I, I think fraternities help help you, like this, like a brotherhood helps you in those times. I dig that. I dig so that. Family away from family. Right, that's exactly why I joined, because I don't have any brothers other than my little brothers. So I was just like, and I moved to L.A. when I went to college. Um, um, so, yeah, that's that's exactly why I joined, too. But I, I think it's dope because you have that dope connection with, with Haido. I mean, look what he's doing. He's connecting you to awesome people. You're out here, you know, thriving, doing what you're doing and, and speaking, because that's what it says on your website. You are a, a motivator or no, sorry, a speaker, a writer and an attorney. Um Talk to us a little about what are you doing with your writing? What's what's going on there? Okay, so um, initially, you know, I, I had written articles for certain outlets, but now I'm really focused on finishing a, a fictional book. Um, obviously, with the law practice and um, uh, now with this, with this new opportunity of teaching, even though I start teaching in the fall, um, I'm, I'm going to be teaching through a program, you know, through an extension program from Rutgers University, of, of Rutgers University, at, uh, at a correctional facility. Uh, you know, I'm going to be teaching uh, persons that are incarcerated that, are, um, that will be eligible for release within the next two or three years. And upon their release, uh, they uh, can use those credits, those college credits, to enroll themselves into college either Rutgers University or a local community college. So, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm busy with that and trying to take, look, you know, New York City life is, is you know, it takes a while to, to get on the train and get to, you know, from Brooklyn to Harlem. And, and um, you know, so it's just, yeah, just trying to do all that, trying to navigate through all these things and, and, and interests that demand my time. But, but um, you know, and I, I try to go and speak at a high school or at a college once or twice a month. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm very big on that. I was a part of the Big Brothers Big Sister. Um, obviously, with LPZ Media, which is a, um, a, a film company that's owned by my fraternity brother, um, I'm on the board of directors for, for the LPZ Cinetech, which is a not-for-profit side. Um, you know, and, and we're about, uh, you know, showing kids from inner cities how to create film, how to love art. Because I do show that when yeah. kids are in, you know, kids... Um, are likelier to find solutions to complex problems. So, you know, just trying to be a part of that movement as well. Um, Have you ever yeah. been in a film, like as an actor, or are you just kind of like the background and like on the board of directors type of thing? Sure. Um, so, you know, through LPZ Media, I, I produced, um, I helped produce uh the the, new, the second film that they had done, which is the Hudson Tribes, um, which is a film uh, about the school district board in Rockland County, which is a yeah. county here in, um, and you know, it, it just talks about um, how how groups are fighting for for you know access, 
and how, um, you know, in using the, the democratic means, but how um, in, in, in doing so, um, some folks could be left out. So that film is, is, is a controversial, um, very provocative, but it ends um, in a unifying, uh, you know, with a unifying perspective on things. Um, um, so, so, you know, LPZ Media, for the most part, you know, two Latinos, Colombianos um, that are, you know, out here just pretty much doing their thing, just trying to change the narrative. The first film was Inqu The Inquisition of Camilo Sanz, uh, which dealt with a, a Colombian uh, young uh, man who was um, was born in Colombia, came here legally as a child, right. but was educated here, um, you know, landed a job, you know, on Wall Street, uh a relationship of his went sour and, you know, Homeland Security was called on him. So um, next thing you know, the, the film is about him wanting to remain in this country, this country that he always, that, you know, this is all he knew. And um, so he was facing deportation proceedings and the film was about his struggles in, in, in wanting to remain in the country. So, I've you know, never heard about it, that story. So that's dope that you guys are like putting, you know, light on that. Yeah, you know, you know, we're just trying to tell the stories that 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 aren't told, you know, specifically uh, from from the Latino community, you know. Of course. Um, so, so we're out here working. Yeah, and um, I have a question. Speaking about like the Latino Latinidad and, and everything about that, how do you feel about the term Latinx or Latinx? I even don't even know how to properly say it, but how do you feel about that term? You know, I don't even know. You know, I thought I knew how to pronounce it until until you gave me a different, like an alternative pronunciation. <laughs> well, um, I've heard I've heard them all. Yeah, Latins, Latins. I think. Look, I think it's when when you know, and again, pardon my ignorance when it comes to that. But um, you know, when it comes to that term, I, I I'm assuming it's it's the intersection uh, between you know race, gender, and culture. You know, exactly. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Afro, you know, Afro Latinos have a different experience than white Latinos, but they're both Latinos, right? Um, you know, um, do you identify African -American, as Afro Latino or just Latino? I I identify as Afro Latino. Okay, okay. I identify as Latino. Sure. Uh, honestly, when I first heard the term, I was very confused, and I was. I wasn't pissed, but I was just like, okay, like, why do we have to switch everything around? Like, why is everybody so sensitive about everything, you know? Why can't we just be and just exist and just be happy with, you know, who we are or whatever? But as, you know, the time went on, I was noticing, because um, I think the term started in California and LA or something like that. I don't know. But um, I, I was thinking, I was like, you know, it makes sense. How wrong is it for me to think that, you know a cisgender Latino male, somebody cisgender being for anybody listening, um, is for somebody who is born a male or female or identifies as that gender still anyway. So I was just like, that's very, you know, wrong of me to be so selfish to not think about other people that might be struggling in a certain type of way that don't identify as Latino or Latina. They feel confused, you know? So I was just like, you know what, let me put my pride aside and let me just say, you know what, that's something that I need to learn to accept. And I think that comes down to, you know, probably like the heteronormative way of thinking, like there's only one way, you know, that's just the way that we were raised, you know, and that's how the, the Spanish language is, you know, that's what, that's what we were raised as. And it's cool to see that there's so much of this being broken down nowadays. Right, exactly. And, you know, that's what it is. Like, how can you address the issues if you don't break it down? So mm. that, you know, I, I actually applaud that, that term because, again, the... Um, you know, I, I was just reading a book, um, The Elephant Rage, um, this uh, black feminist author, um, and, and she, you know, she highlights how her black feminist experience is a lot, is very different from a white feminist experience. No, for um, sure. So, right. So, so I, you know, I do think that, you know, there's something to be said about us, uh, you know, sifting through the differences, uh, even within cultures or within gender. Um, so that so that we can so that everyone has a voice and everyone is protected, you know, um, and, and and considered. So, because how can we move? So I don't know. Because how can we move forward <laughs> if we're if we're putting people aside if we don't acknowledge them, right? Right. That's right, exactly. how I see. You know, and I think I think I think 
you know, Latin, Latinx or Latinx, um, I think terms like that um, encourage all of us to be more tolerant because, you know, look, like now we're talking about it, like, you know, and, 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 and that's what we want. We want people to start talking about, you know, what is it that, 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 that calls for that term. And, um, you know, so, you know, that's fine. You know, you know, all the nuances I celebrate, you know, cause, cause, cause it shows that, you know, we're making an effort to really not think about this vaguely or superficially, like, mm. you know, we're really going to address the issues. Latinoism is a complicated beast, you know, and, 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 you know, we all, you know, whether we migrate from different countries and, and, and have different, and vote differently, you know, I think, I think there's certain things that, that, that we hold in common and I, I think they've been able to, 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 to capture that pretty right. well. I think you said that really well, like being Latino is a complicated beast because honestly, I feel like I don't fit any kind of mold of what the common Mexican out here is supposed to be. I'm half Guatemalan as well. And so it's just kind of weird because nobody thinks I'm Latino when they see me. And I always tell people this, um, like everybody thinks I'm something else. They're like, you're Filipino, you're like Indonesian, you're whatever, whatever. And I'm like, no, like there isn't one specific mold for Latino. And the most craziest one that I got was Jamaican and English. And I'm like, how are you going to put me into such a specific thing? Because I look quote unquote look or sound like somebody that you know is that like it's just so important that all of us are represented and all of us are you know creating something in this instance you are you know creating um a pathway for justice for other poc young men and young women or whatever age range they are it's important to be there to represent because you might not know who is looking up to you and who is actually trying to be some somebody like you or might feel like they're not being represented especially those you know, look, so, so, so many of our men are either incarcerated or not present, you know, and I feel that um, there's enough of us to actually mentor those kids that are, that are from those broken homes. Um, and I think representation is everything. You know, there's, you know, it's not a coincidence that Barack Obama was the first president, the first sitting president to visit a federal prison. You know, I'm, you know, I can't read his mind, but, you know, um, I do think that because, he is a person of color. He understands how um, how highly we are, you know, we are represented in, in 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 prisons and how that affects communities and so forth, our communities. So, um, you know, I think representation is everything. Also, um, you know, I, um, I I I typically go to my my uh, my high school to go speak. Um, they're usually uh, they usually have uh, men coming back, you know, old white men. Um, that graduated from the 1960s, the 1970s, maybe even the 1950s, that come back and, and, and you know, now Cornwall Hayes High School is mostly black or brown. And, um, you know, and, and, and whenever I do go back, they say, look, not to say that we don't appreciate these other young, these other men that are taking the time out of their busy schedules to come talk to us. Wow, like you came from Washington or you came from Harlem or you came from Brooklyn. Like, it's crazy how I see myself in you. And, you know, and that can, you know, that can be it for someone. So, um, you know, it's I like I, I can't I can't mention that enough. Like we need to be out here. People need to see our faces. And that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm active on social media is so that they can see that. Look, I can you can love hip hop. You can be from this community. You could have had braids when you were a teenager, but it doesn't right. mean that you can't be or a doctor or a teacher or a writer or, or just a, a good human being you know um you know and i can grow my braids right now and it'll be great like it is it's about who you are and 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 as long as you respect others um and and you are in this journey of this constant journey of learning and wanting to become a better person um you know i think that's what it's all about no i I honestly don't think anybody could have said it any better than you uh when i went to middle school That was the first time I was around a lot of white people, white kids my age. And it was really a culture shock because, I mean, the the elementary school that I grew up in is in my neighborhood. And my neighborhood is, you know, majority of my neighborhood is um, Latino, specifically Guatemalan um, and Mexican. 
and um and there's like a sprinkle of Vietnamese people and um and Haitians out here um remarkably there's actually a lot of Haitians now but um it's 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 true you know if you don't see your faces out there you might just not feel inspired so that moves me forward to the next question what is your fuel what wakes you up every morning and says yes i'm doing what i'm doing and i love what i'm doing so um if i was to tell you that i wake up every day loving what i do i would be lying to you because some days i you know i wake up feeling defeated some days i wake up uh, feeling you know existential which is um i think it's my default setting um you know if you know before the coffee before the the glass of water before i actually start you know like before i meditate um, you know, I, you know, I have to get to that place where I, I see the purpose in me waking up, me going to work and me doing what I have to do. So like, it doesn't come to me, um, organically, like I have to build myself for that. Um, but you know, I, I, you know, then I, I tend to think about my clients and, you know, and, and that they hired me for specific reason. And, and some of them are going to Really terrible situations, and I have to be there for them. And and you know, the and that's the reason why I do this profession is because I, I like helping people, especially um, if they fall victim or if they're for whatever reason um, caught up in this uh, you know judicial system, this unjust uh, judicial system. Um, like I feel like I've always I've always felt that um, I've always advocated for what I thought was right, even as a child. One mm. of my pet peeves is, is, is abuse of power. Um, you know, um, one of my major uh, motivators um, for even pursuing law is because, I, you know, I can't, I can't tell you how many times I was, I was stopped by police officers, you know, growing up or, you know, told to, you know, or, or frisked while I was just sitting outside in the front steps of my building. And, you know, for some of us, especially in Harlem, our front steps were our backyard. You know, unfortunately, wow. we didn't have a backyard. So yeah. we didn't have to go. Um, and, you know, for you to feel that you're being harassed in your own neighborhood, it, it kind of did something to me. Um, and then, um, unfortunately, when I was a college student, I was arrested um, for pretty much questioning the police officer about his tactics on, on, on an investigation that, that, that he was conducting. Uh, mm. A friend of mine had gotten assaulted, so I just wanted answers, and I guess the police officer didn't like the way I, I, I asked him um, or questioned him, and, um, and he decided to arrest me. So there was a scuffle, and I was arrested. Case was dismissed, but you know, even that temporary, uh, even that temporary strip of, of that temporary, um, uh, a temporary uh, loss of my freedom um, did something to me. It traumatized me. Um, I came back to you know the university and I switched my major right away from business to pre-law. And then you know and then all of a sudden my GPA skyrocketed because I was really passionate about it. So when I say that I wake up every day um, wanting like passionate about what I do. Yes, I do wake up wanting to do what I do. However, there's a part of me that still trying to figure it out you know um and you know when i say figure it out is is this the best way that i can be used you know and i'm you know i'm not talking about you know it could be god it could be spiritually but is is this the best way that i can give back that i can be a servant to others you know i feel like god has blessed me with, with the opportunity to, to you know to, to get an education to you know become an attorney um, to 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 help people, you know, um, from or, or save people from going away from their families for a long time. Um, but is there, you know, can the skill set that that I've been trained to have, can that be better utilized, um, where I can affect the masses? You have to understand, criminal defense is is you know this is a last resort. Like right. you know, this is the last resort. They're about to, you know, like if, if things go a certain way that, you know, they're, they're going to head up north, you know. Um, mm -hmm. So what can I do to, to, to be more preventative, you know, more holistic in my approach, which is like to mentor kids and, um, and, and so forth. So that's, you know, I, I know that's a long answer to your question. No, that's fine. But when I don't feel 
passionate about it. I'm very existential. Uh, you know, when I start to question, am I really being better utilized um, within the profession? Should I be doing other things? You know, I always used to, when I was a kid, I used to want to do what you're doing. But now I just noticed that that's not my passion and that's somebody else's passion. And why follow something that I'm not going to feel 100% about while I'm studying and all that, you know? So I totally respect people who do things like that I personally don't feel like I could do because my intention span is not there for that type of career. And quite frankly, I don't think I would do such a hot job at it. Um, but I do respect the fact that you're doing it. One of the questions that I ask all my um, all my guests is, what is your plot twist in your life? In other words, what has been the shift or the change that has brought you to where you are today? So, you know, the shift and the change that has brought me to where I'm at today. Yeah, it could be I recent. It could be like when you were a kid. Whatever brings you to where you feel like you are today. I think, I think, um, I think having one, the arrest, right? The, the arrest, and again, the case was dismissed, but, but the arrest, the traumatic effects of that, um, you know, how I saw, uh, you know, kids in my neighborhood who um, equally as smart or even smarter, uh, but didn't have the access that I had to like a private education, um, how their lives turned out differently. And it's like me knowing that it's not, you know, me knowing that it's, you know, yes, I worked hard, but, you know, some of it is privilege. Like I was, you know, privileged to go to that school or I was privileged to have the, the, the mother that I had that focused on education, that made sure that I never went hungry. Um, so, you know, in me knowing that, you know, that, you know, over the years, this is not an overnight thing where, where, I, where I was learning that. Because, again, I'm still very good friends with 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 uh, the guys from back home. And, you know, and and, um, you know. That did it for me. So I knew that whatever I was going to do, it was going to me giving back. Um, and, um, you know, but again, the arrest, that also, um, also just uh, seeing what incarceration does firsthand. Uh, you know, one of my really good friends had to do 10 years. Um, seeing what incarceration does not only, to, not only to him, but his family and his kids. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, he's a talented person. And I think his time could have been better well spent. Uh, I'm not saying that he should have just gotten a slap on the hand, but, you know, there's other types of, uh, of ways where uh, he can be held accountable for the crime that he committed um, that could have also, uh, you know, helped improve society, you know. Um, so, you know, I you know, I think we're just sweeping the problems under a rug and, and, and we're not really helping society develop during, you know, um, we're helping society develop uh, with the with the current uh, prison system that's in place. Right. Um, it's jacked there's up. smart people in, sitting in prison right now. They can be doing something. And I'm not saying, you know, look, I don't know what I'm saying. All I'm saying is that they could be better utilized. Mm. Uh, and um, and right now, you know, you're. There's a waste of talent, uh, you know, where, you know, we're costing a lot of taxpayers a lot of money um, and it's super inefficient and it's also destroying communities of color. Like there has really to be is. a better way. There, there has to be a way to, you know, bridge the, the, the wrong that has been done in the past, but still keep justice however it could be done. But um, we're going to move forward with, with our segments. Yeah. Dimelo Daniel, where I'm going to be, um, you know, basically bringing up a couple of current event things that have been happening. The most recent one is, you know, a little a little dramatic and a little crazy for me um, is the whole Kanye West uh, with the Make America Great Again hat. And everybody already knows, but I don't you don't know. I don't refer to um, our president as his name. I just call him 45 just because I don't feel like there's any need to utter his name. You could call him whatever you want. But I just, yeah, that's that. But 
talk talk to us about that. I saw that you posted on your Instagram about about it. You posted the J Cole video with um, the Kanye West underneath. Yeah. How do you feel yeah. about that? He's somebody yeah. who really was big in hip hop, especially in New York City, and now to see him turning away um, a lot of his people of color, you know, supporters and fans. Now he's out here, you know, supporting somebody who is demonizing us. So, so before, you know, I, I just want to say, and I'm not sure if this is the case or not, but, um, you know, mental health may be at play. I'm not saying it is. I'm not a psychotherapist. I'm not a psychologist. You know, I'm not a pharmacist. I don't know if he's taking, or if he is taking anything. Um, but, you know, and, and I think the fact that that can be a possibility uh, stops me from judging him harshly because I don't know what's going on. Um, and I don't know what he's capable of if he keeps on uh, receiving this type of like negative backlash over the things that he says. Um, I, I do think, I do sympathize or I do um, relate to J. Cole's, uh, you know, lyrics and false prophets mm. um, because, you know, I was a huge Kanye West fan. Um, you know, when College Dropout came out, College Dropout is one of my best albums. That album one of my was favorite fire. albums. Yeah, and it came out during a time where I was in college, and not you know, even though I didn't drop out, like the things that he was talking about, like the hustle, and um, you know, spaceship, like you know, when is my spaceship going? You know, going to arrive, and you know, just get out of the monotony of like working hard and not seeing the the, the fruits of your labor. Like you just want to blow up eventually. You know, mm. get get your you know thing going. Um, and as a student, especially as a broke student, selling, you know, sitting in a, in a college dorm wearing the same coffee-stained hoodie, uh, you know, for days in a row, um, you know, I, I I related to that, and I felt a lot of soul in that album, you know, um, you know, and you know, so for him to go from that you know, to all of a sudden what he's saying, you know, what he's promoting now. Or what he's indifferent about now, I think it's, I think it's a musical tragedy, you know. Yeah, I mean it's true. He yeah. he, I I was looking at this last night. He lost over nine million followers over that picture that he posted, which I mean to me says a lot because it's like not only are you, um, I think everybody is, you know, you can believe in whatever you want to believe in, and you can you know stand for whatever you want to stand for. But when it's a dramatic change like that and all of a sudden you're doing, you know, something that is so uncalled for, I, I just don't know how I feel about him and his music that is up and coming still because apparently he's going to drop another album. I just don't know what his future is going to be like for him. So that, that that's how I feel. I just I think people do deserve to be upset, though, because it's like we've followed you for so long. And for you to feel like you're backstabbing us now and saying that you support a racist, xenophobic, um, transphobic, and all of this other type of stuff that 45 is, to say that you're following that now and that you're supporting him and basically endorsing him by, you know, saying, yes, I got my hat signed by him. Like, you know, all of these things, it really is something that really turns and hurts us because it's like, I looked up to you. You were like, quote unquote, a big brother to me because he did feel personal when he did do the college dropout album. He did feel personal when he was um, when 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 he had his um, all of these things going on um, as his rise to fame. And so now I'm just like, really, bro, like you started dating a Kardashian, number one. Now you're, you're married to one. Now you have a child with one. And now you want to support um, Este Fulano 45. So, yeah. Yeah. He's not doing the right things. <laughs> yeah. Know, you know, so he's not doing the right thing as far as understanding the context of, of, of what, of what his, you know, and I don't want to say his role because, you know, no, you know, it's, it's kind of like you put him in a box and I think everyone is a work in progress. So you just can't, you know, you just label someone like, okay, he's just an artist. He's just, he should just stay as an artist. But I think, you know, I, you know I, I believe James Baldwin has a quote, you know, and I'm not going to say it word for word, but, you know, you know, I respect you, you know, something along the lines of, like, I respect your uh, opinion. However, I don't respect it when it, when it, you know, you know denies my, my, existence and my existence or reinforces the oppression, you know, against me or my people. Yeah. Um, something, something. 
you know, I'm sure I chopped it up, and that, you know, little remix. We got but, the, the gist of it, yeah. So, so Kanye West, you know, uh, the fact that he is indifferent to what uh, Donald Trump has, uh, you know, uh, rationalized, um, what what has come out of his mouth, um, and 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 what, uh, but, uh, and and the people that support Trump, um, what what they stand for, you know, I think. It's very short-sighted on his part, and um, again, but I don't know if he's going through things mentally, so, you know, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Every week or so, I do um, I do stats on my Instagram for everybody who's just tuning into the Plot Twist podcast. So, um, one of them was, is it okay for men to cry? 91%, um, 91% of the people that voted said yes. So, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about the whole statement is it okay for men to cry can you hear me yeah okay for men to cry um i think uh but for too long, men men have, have suppressed their emotion, um, and and when they do express it, sometimes it's in in very chaotic situations uh, because you know they've been suppressing it for so long. Um, I think it's healthy uh, for for men to cry when they need to cry, you know. And but it's it takes a commitment, and and it takes a commitment not only for men, but from women, you know, because women raise men. Um, or, you know, are one of the persons, you know, one of the, um, you know, are, are, are huge in, in raising these men. Um, and, you know, I know within the Latino community, you know, I, I've always shared my, my criticism in that, you know, my, you know, machismo is not only something that's promulgated by men, you know, is, you know, the mother is like, oh, like my son is going to be a heartbreaker, you know, no, no, no. Like, you know, um, you know, they'll, they'll have your sister wash the dishes and just leave you at the couch watching, you know, with the remote. Um, so I, I think I think it takes a commitment from both men and women. Um, but yes, um, I think we're at a, you know we're in a special time now where um, you know men are are, are 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 feeling a lot more confident in expressing themselves and being vulnerable um, and, and and not being viewed as weak as a result. You know, if anything, you should be viewed as strong when when you when you have the courage to um, say what you feel and um, as long as you don't uh, disrespect others or, or cause harm to others um, I think I think it's healthy and I think we should raise our sons to um, uh, be even more emotionally intelligent than than, than what than what we are that's deep yeah no um, personally lately um, over the past couple of years it's been a little hard for me to be more emotional on that side because I don't know why. Sometimes I just feel like, you know, getting active and going to go do something active to get my mind off of things or like um, sleeping, I guess. I don't know, like just different things um, or just like talking about it. But it's so hard for me lately to over the last couple of years to get to that space where I feel like I need to let it out in that sense. So um, I would have definitely voted yes, that it is OK, but it's hard for me to get to that point. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, I'm OK. Like. Like, I was raised, you know, in a very um, expressive, you know, um, environment. My mother always told me what she felt. And um, and as a result, because I didn't I didn't have a, you know, my father died when, when I was seven. And even when he was alive, he was also very affectionate and expressive. But, you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up with this need of, like, holding back, you know. Um, so, I, you know, I guess I was fortunate in that. Um, you know, and, 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 but like a lot of things play into like your emotions, right? It can be what, you, you know, something that has nothing to do with what you're doing that is, that is affecting you. It could be lack of sleep. It could be lack of, of, of hydration, you know, it could be, um, you know, too much caffeine. It could be, it could be a lot of things. It's like so a I think, car. You have to take care of every aspect of it. Right. You know, sometimes you have to ask yourself, why am I feeling down? Um, and if it's because you're fatigued, then you know, then then deal with that. If it's because someone um, 
you know, has said something to you that you don't like, maybe address it with that person and watch you and watch you, you know, watch yourself feel better about it. Um, and if it's a person, if it's someone that's continuing, you know, continuously, um, bringing you bad energy, then, you know, it's up to you to remove yourself. You know, you can control most things and, and the things that you can't control, don't, don't worry about it because you sure. can't control it. Yeah. You, you're totally right. You know, like I, I encourage therapy too, especially look in the legal profession. I believe we are still the leaders, and I don't say that with with a lot of pride. But um, I think attorneys, um, the legal field, we're the leading profession um, that deals with alcoholism. Uh, so you know, alcoholism runs rapid, and I can see why. You know, it could be, you know, a lot to read, dealing with clients, dealing with deadlines. Um, but you know, the the New York State Bar has done really good in making sure that they provide the resources needed for those that need therapy. Uh, you know, for the attorneys that need therapy. So you know, and I myself, like, I'm a proponent of therapy. I haven't really gotten, you know, like I haven't really experienced consistent therapy. But but I would say that um, you know, when I when I've had sought therapy, um, it's been very beneficial for me. Yeah, I've I've actually never gone. What do you do though, like to heal yourself of whatever's in your past? I mean, obviously everything requires its own type of healing because one thing isn't going to be equal to another. But what do you do in those cases? You know, I think you just have to talk about it. You have to talk, and um, you have to see where the you know where those emotions are coming from. Um, you have to, you know, uh, sometimes you have to. Go back to that negative experience, um, whether it was a broken heart, whether it was a, a fight that you lost, whether it was when your father didn't come back or, or your mother screamed at you and, or didn't hug you enough, um, whether it was a, you know, a time when, when you harmed someone else you know, and, and you still carry that hurt because you're probably hurting when you harmed that person emotionally, uh, so forth. You know, I think it's about going back to that person and, and hugging who you were at the time. And you know, and forgiving yourself, and understanding that 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 you are human, and that you are a work in progress, and that the reason you're going back is because you know you want to know where the problem stems from. And you know, someone, a good friend of mine, told me, "Look, like to love yourself is to know yourself, and if you know yourself, you can heal yourself." So oh, um, that's a tweetable right there. Everybody, get your get your notepads out. That was dope. Can you say that again? Sure. To love yourself means to know yourself. And if you know yourself, you can heal yourself. Yup. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That, that's, that's definitely something that I can rock with. Um, and and that, that's so important to, to be able to do that. Um, one of the things that I was going to ask you, which I already think we got the answer to, is like, do we believe that there's equal representation in media across all platforms and industries? 89% of the voters said no. Remarkably, the people that did say yes uh, were actually people of color. And I was a little confused. I was like, well, all right. I mean, I guess we're all entitled to our own beliefs and opinions. But um, as you were saying earlier, we do need to put ourselves out there, and especially as Latinos, um, Latinx people. We need to make sure that we are speaking our stories and saying the things that we want to say, because nobody's perfect. We all have had our own mistakes. We've all had our own successes, right? We're moving forward to it goes down in the DMs. So as millennials, DMs are everything for us. What goes down in your DMs? I mean, you know, you you be you be out there um, flexing your your trips and everything out here. You know, your stories are popping and everything. What goes down in the DMs as a lawyer and as a person, like, you know, as yourself? Okay. Well, thank you about the trips. You know, as a child, I'm like just documenting what I'm doing. I mean, um, hey. I love to travel, um, but. You know, so so if you don't follow them, you don't really specific. You know, you don't see the DMs unless you go to the the section where right. there's that are requesting. So, um, I you know, it's very rare for me to get into that. Um, there are a good number of DMs there. Um, you know, oh, okay, some of them okay. are, you know, but some of them are really well intentioned. But what's 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 interesting is that um, I've gotten like, uh, you know, like. A company just hired me last week, uh, uh, like a hair color company, and they want to like dye 
the grays of my beard. Right. You know? <laughs> and it's like, oh, that went down on the DM. You know, like that business transaction went down on the DM. Um, also, uh, you know, sometimes uh, people want to hire me to teach at their schools or um, or to come and talk, you know, at panels. Schools um, hit you up through through direct messenger, messenger or whatever it's called? Yes. What? Okay, okay, that's what's up. So definitely more business-oriented on your side. Yeah, you know, and obviously, you know, you have, you know, some folks that appreciate, um, you know, what you stand for, and, and, it's, and it's a lot of, like, I would say most of the energy that I got, that, that I get from the DMs are, is pretty good, pretty, you know, good words. Fan love. Um, but, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Hey, and you got like, like you got over eight thousand followers, right? But you know, but that's just people like just like they understand my story and right, and you know, and with it, you know. So you know, and I and I'm you know, and I appreciate that they, you know, take notice of that. Do they ever um, um run into you? Like, do you ever run into people that follow you on the streets and they're like, "Hey, it's Charlie" or whatever, or like, "Hey, I follow you on Instagram." Sometimes, sometimes, um. You know, you know, there's been some weird experiences, um, and I don't want to say it because I don't want to give other people like ideas. But um, there's been some <laughs> weird. Experiences. So, so you just have to like very like you know, there's a thin line between being expressive but also uh, maintaining a level of privacy, and and I'm still grappling with that. I, you know, I don't, you know, I try not to put too much up there, but um, you know, enough. Um, where people kind of like get you know get a glimpse of who I am and what I do. Right, right on, right on. Um, we're just finishing up here. I just realized I have one of our listener questions. He said, um, "What are Charlie's strategies to empower Latino boys' self-image while also teaching them to honor the role of Latinas?" This is from Ray's Latino Talk on Instagram. I think you know, like, I just really want to go to the role of a Latina. You know, I think. You know, just Latinas, but also women. But you know, um, I, I think we really need to reflect and reevaluate how, how, you know, our approach with dealing with women. You know, I think it's been very toxic over the years. You know, for decades. Um, you know, as far as uh, you know, uh, you know, not to not to make it a, a very politically correct. Uh, situation, but I think we, you know, we need to encourage our, our women to to see the world, you know, the way we see it, which is, you know, as men, you know, we're we're proud. We we feel that we can accomplish what we set out to do, and we also have to raise our daughters and encourage our our wives, and you know, to do the same. Um, but to, to also be sensitive to the harassment that women face. Mm. On a daily basis, I don't think men know. I don't think men know, and 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 it's a shame, you know. You know, and it's a privilege, um, but I, I think we need to so that one, we we're not the one, you know, doing the harassing, but two, so that we don't have to worry about our daughters being harassed in the street, you know. Exactly. Teach one, only, teach one. The only reason why that I know about how that goes down is because I have four older sisters, and I saw it on a daily basis when we would go out and I was raised by a single mother just as you were. Um, but for different, for different reasons, you know, my father didn't pass away, but you're right. I mean, it, the fact of the matter is that we are, um, we are definitely living different lives and we need to appreciate the differences that we have and respect the differences that we have because we're nothing without one another, you know? Right. Right. Yes, and, and to, to the first part of your, your question, as far as like you know the Latino image, I think it's very important um, to, to to understand how materialism and how machismo has plagued uh, you know men, Latino men in particular, um, and we have to really dissect that, and you know we have to um, really you know go back to you know what is it you know who who are we. And what do we want to do with our lives? Um, and, um, you know, just like with either it's like through mentoring or through uh, putting out images out there of, of, of either professional Latino men that can be, again, that can listen to hip hop, but also take care of business. Um, 
you know, just having that representation out there be like the norm. Right. Um, that I think enables and encourages Latino men to embrace who, you know, all of what they are. Mm. Um, you know, um, we're not just one dimensional. We're not just, we're either this way or we're that way. No, we, you know, we're, you know, we vary in complexities. You know, some of us are going to go out to do, you know, to, to benefit society at large. We're multifaceted. Some of us are just going to, you know, go back to, and, and, you know, some of us are just going to, you know, do great with our families, but, you know, we're multifaceted and there's nothing that we cannot accomplish if we just put our minds to it. I dig that. That is such a good note to end on. Um, Charlie, it was, it was a pleasure to talk to you. It, it really was. Um, I really value the time that you've taken out to talk to me and to everybody listening. I know that there's somebody that's going to benefit from what you're talking about. I don't know what part of this interview is going to touch their soul, but, but it will. Um, I'll be definitely out of New York City, so we can definitely catch up there if, if at all possible. I'm going to be out there Memorial Day weekend, so I'll hit you up for sure. Stay blessed.